All righty, peeps. Welcome to another episode of the Hot Take Wrestling Podcast. This is your boy, Logan the Machine, a.k.a. Old Man Logan, here today for this tribute episode to the fallen. Uh, rest in peace, man. Just tragic, tragic, untimely passing of Mr. John Huber, also known as Brody Lee, also known as Luke Harper in the WWE. So, to my left, we're going to go to the host with the most, Mr. Ah, uh, the other KG now. Yeah, I got nothing except for, uh, I was telling Joe, if he dyes his hair and all the thing opens back up after the pandemic, he can't be out here like Isaiah Sawyer Scott looking like a fruit loop. <laughs> no that's dying up in here, Joe. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got, man. All right, all right. And that other that other guy, that other guy who we're saying shouldn't dye his hair like the color of Fruit Loops, Mr. Joe Freezy. Never dyeing my hair. It's gonna grow forever. I don't know why I'm gonna do it, but it's just gonna grow forever. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm never gonna dye my hair. It's gonna grow forever. Then now forever. <laughs> then now forever. He says it's all in on hair. Yeah, man. Yeah. Honestly, bro, like, yes, doing that is awesome. So that's why I keep it. And, you know, it, it kind of works with the profession, you know, having the, the hair, you know. What do you say? What do you I'm just saying, say? for the, for the, it, it has the very Purple Rain esque vibe. Wow. Wow. Like, no, like, we could call you the kid. Like, you know, do they wow. call you the kid? You get off the stage sometimes? Wow, I don't like the way you're speaking to me, sir. <laughs> it wouldn't be a new year if I didn't start it off with a little bit of chicanery, man. I understand, sir. I appreciate you. <laughs> I think the uh, one thing I could take away from this was this year, uh, 2020 for wrestlers was rough. Um, a lot of great things that should have happened didn't happen. A lot of great things that did happen happened pretty well, but... Um, I think us attesting as wrestling fans, the whole John Uber thing, that's something that kind of hit hard. One, because I think the era that we probably liked the most was when it was the Wyatt family. Um, and, you know, it was the original Wyatt family here at Rowan. Uh, Luke Harper, Ray Wyatt, and just the development that they put into it at NXT or FCU at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not FCU. Uh, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling, FCW or whatever. And they, they turned to NXT and it was beautiful, you know, see that. So it's rough. It's rough to see him pass, especially from an uh, incident that happened that was non-COVID related. And then for it to kind of all go down because he has so much potential and so much great things going for him. So that's rough. It's very rough. Yeah. And not just potential in the ring, but just, you know, so much life, you know, was still left to live there. You know, he was he was 41 years young, uh, had a, a, a young family there. Two was it two sons? Two of them, yes, two. Two sons, you know, wife that he's leaving behind. And uh, yeah, man, I, I think I said it in the group chat. I, I didn't really realize how much I liked uh, Brody Lee until his passing. You know, uh, I was I was really excited when he got to AEW. I think we all um, shared the same sentiment as far as wishing he would have gotten pushed a lot more during the last run in WWE. You know, he was basically, by and large, on the shelf there for about a year before he got over there to AEW. And, um, man, it just seemed like as soon as he got over there, they they, they, they allowed him to hit the ground running. You know, they they placed him in an AEW title match almost instantaneously. And it was deserving. Like, you know, most of the time you hear fans, they kind of be like, oh, here we go. You know, and I even had the sentiment, not necessarily in the, bad way but i just kept saying hey you know it seems like as soon as 
a WWE guy jump ship, he's thrusted into the spotlight over there in uh, AEW. But this was the one particular instance where it just, it was so deserving. He was doing some great promo work. You know, he was taking pot shots at events and it was just amazing. You know, he threw the suit on, you know, he, he showed the suit game was proper and uh, he fit in that main event and it just fit like a glove. So to, to have gotten that news just all of a sudden, it was very abrupt. Our boy Will, you know, had hit our uh, hot take uh, IG thread with the news as it was beginning to come out. And I don't know for you guys, and I'm not comparing them in any way, shape, or form or fashion, but it seemed like the news kind of slowly crept out there in the same kind of manner as when Kobe passed. At least to me, that's how it was, you know, because... You couldn't find the information anywhere at all at first. Will sent it to the group, and I literally immediately went to Google, and I tried to find news on it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. And it was kind of like that with the Kobe thing for me at first. And then maybe about 30 minutes after the initial reports, you know, it had come to be that 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 stuff had happened, that had transpired. So, you know, I don't want to hog the, 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 the time here, though, the mic time here, though, so I'm going to pass it off to KG, like, what did you guys feel? Did, did, was it kind of like that for y'all or was it a little different or, you know? It definitely caught me off guard. Uh, I know they took him off TV and they were playing it close to the chest, so to speak. Uh, it was extremely disappointing because like, I, I thought he was one of the more underrated wrestlers in WWE. Like the last maybe three, four years he was there. Um, I, when I Googled it, I didn't see anything either, at least on Wikipedia. And then, like I saw some of the wrestling sites were starting to put articles up so um and what's so crazy too is that i believe he was only like a year younger than like the guy that everybody compares him to bruiser brody died under under different circumstances obviously because bruiser brody got stabbed to death if i'm not mistaken or i don't know yeah i believe he was stabbed to death in puerto rico or somewhere Yeah, and <laughs> self, yeah, self defense, right? I forgot. And then that—that's not that's a whole can of worms about, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but the, the thing though is that everybody was saying how great of a fan man Brody Lee was, which is I think even more important than being the talent than right. he was in the ring. I think one of the cooler things is is about. Brody Lee is when you listen to people at AEW and W talk to him, they all say the exact same thing. He was a guy that was safe. He was going to try to take care of you and he was going to try to make sure you're straight. Like, Randy Orton won't even call him Brody Lee or John U, but he calls him Luke Harper. He's like, because that's just who he is to me. Like, that's that's who he is. But everybody's definition of, of him is the same. Someone who worked his ass off, who was really good in the ring, and was just always trying to be safe and make sure they were taken care of and he was a sweet guy and, a, and just a great guy. Um, when I found out, I found on IG first because AEW posted it first on their IG. Then I went to Google and I kept refreshing and it wasn't until um, who put it up first for me? TMZ put John Uber passed away first. And then after that, everybody started going down the line or whatever. But I thought, at first I thought it was COVID related. Um, but his wife then put up a post that said it's non-COVID related, it's just a lung problem he had that he was keeping a secret. So um, it, it's really tough to tough to gauge that type of thing because as wrestling fans and as fans, the way that we have our fandom, our fandom is based off of moments. For me, the Bruiser Brody moments at AEW were just as big as, as as moments at WWE. However, he could have had more if the machine didn't stop him from actually becoming a really good wrestler there because he was actually a quality and important piece to your organization, sir. Hey, 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 we're not going to do that this, this episode, okay? No, 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 no. Because that, because... Because they, they said the man couldn't talk. What'd he do? Talk. By the first three weeks, cutting hella promos. They said he wasn't the main event. He wasn't the main event caliber player. What did he do? Every match championship that he match that he had with Cody, 
or uh, with uh, John Moxley. Moxley, I want to call him Dean Ambrose. Sorry, with John Moxley, or whatever. They they were they were four stars. They were at least four stars. They were decent. They were really good matches, really quality matches. My favorite one with him is not even him individually. It's him when the Wyatt family faces Shield. That's my favorite match of all time with him in it like that because because one. It wasn't his time to shine. It was supposed to be Bray, Bray Wyatt's time to shine, but he made that match golden. Golden throughout that whole thing. I implore you to go watch that match at Elimination Chamber in Minnesota, bro. One of the, That's probably one of the best six-man tag matches I've ever seen in my life. Period. Period. I don't, I don't want to talk about anything else. That's one of the best six-man tag matches I've ever watched in my whole life because that match had drama, that match had ability, that match had a story. All of it was really, 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 really good. Five stars, bro. No complaints. Five stars. Beautiful match. Beautiful match, man. Hell, his matches with Dolph were great. Matches with Cody was good, too. Some of the matches he had on AEW Dark and AEW TV, all quality matches. Because you know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get some power. You're going to get some agility. You're going to get him being able to do planches and all types of other things. It's going to be good every time. Like, He's reliable, consistent, entertaining. Gone too soon, man. Very sad, bro. And we were missing, didn't say he also saved Mustafa Ali from a broken neck, like one of those WrestleManias in the Arms Ray the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Because uh, they were doing a spot where he like he was trying to suplex him out, and Braun just charged both of them, right? And you could see that he had to basically go like, call like an audible into a brain buster when they fell on the mat outside the ring. So like literally it was like Mustafa anybody else probably maybe Mustafa Ali gets his neck broken. So he also meant I didn't know that um out Jason Jordan said he was like the first person outside of their immediate family like to hold his daughter. So I didn't know that. Wow. I think um so someone else said that um, when Brody Lee brought his, uh, when John brought his kids around or whatever, he was like a different type of person already. And not to harp on the Bruiser, Bruiser, Bruiser Brody comparison, but they said he was the same exact way. Bruiser Brody was totally different the way he was when he was with the son or with the wife. And I think the cool thing about John Uber is that, like, as talented as he was, man, as talented as he portrayed himself to be he was always a consistently cool dude like guys in the locker room when they all have something good to say that's just that's just more than any titles or anything that he could hold there because I think he's one of those guys that we I think we can all agree he's one of those guys that probably should have had a main event run when he got out of the Wyatt family for a little while they put him in that black white feeder in them jeans and he had a really good match and then we saw him on TV no more for three weeks after he gained all that momentum. So I'm a harp on it, bro. I don't care because I feel like, because I feel like this this would be a, like, this is a different setting in terms of like missed opportunities. Because I feel like he did very well at AEW and probably could have been a staple in that and been like a full whole a whole cog in that movement. And it's sad to see him gone, but at the same time. I saw him in WWE, and he was just mm-hmm. telling me this is good. It wasn't utilized. Mm-hmm. I would go as far, bro, to say he was a cog and a big cog at that in that AEW machine. And uh, you see how invested AEW was with the the Dark Order uh, story arc storyline, and you know with the members that they had, and they put him right there, smack dab in the middle as the exalted one. It, it lets you know. And, you know, I, I don't know if you share this sentiment, but for me personally, that that version of himself, uh, that Brody Lee character, that exalted one that he was in AEW, I honestly said, yo, why didn't we get this versus Taker, you know, while he was over there? What? I, I was listening to uh, the Busted Open podcast and even Edge himself said that he was like, yo, why is Luke Harper not facing The Undertaker? Because to me, I know everybody goes immediately to Bray 
to say, oh, that's the next Undertaker, that's the next guy to kind of be that type of character for this era. But to me, though, you could have utilized Brody Lee in that same regard, in that same aspect, you know, because he had it. He could talk on the mic. He had it in the ring. Undertaker was all about having a great ring partner. You know what I mean? And you need somebody to carry those Undertaker matches. And even me being a huge Roman Reigns mark, I would have much rather had gotten Luke Harper versus Undertaker at WrestleMania. I think if you put Luke Harper versus Undertaker, the way that the machine sees it is that wouldn't be a draw. However, the wrestling fan that knows how good Luke Harper is and the wrestling fan that knows how good Taker is realizes that's 25 minutes of hell yeah. That's going to be awesome. Because absolutely. Who, because think about it like this. I do not want to talk about the tribal chief this way, so I'm going to apologize in advance. The tribal chief has the tribal chief has four moves. He has four moves. He has four moves. Uh-oh. He has four moves. He has four. Let's don't do this. Don't we're not gonna do this. He has four. Four moves. Samoan drop, spear, the uh guillotine and the superman punch every now and again you can't tell me he does anything outside of those four he doesn't do anything no i'm sorry yeah, he, just, he just said he just said your man is 95 percent clothesline in the corner clothesline in the corner and the and the laboot about the drive back yeah that's 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 six buddy you don't even so use I'll that say, i'll say he, this i think the right problem, now. he can't use the drive back not even a I'll say this though um, the reason why some people have what they have against Roman as a worker um, is that like when he does new stuff it's like you don't want to keep doing that but like he only does new stuff against guys and maybe it's a trust thing but it it makes it look like he's being carried like he did that tilts world slam against Seth Rollins before I've never seen that since Um, he's done what else has he done you just really don't he did he actually did the rough rider against KO last week, but once again, that makes it look like he's being carried because I've never seen Roman do that before. Like you don't want to repeat. Like everybody has their signature moves. I think maybe that's the point Joe's making. But like people have signature moves, and they also have other things that they use. Mm-hmm. I'm and I think maybe that's what Joe's getting at. Outside of Roman's signature moves, he really don't bring much help to the table. I'm not saying the repertoire is limited. I'm saying it is. That's what he's saying. No, it sounds like that's what you're saying. Man. No, I'm saying it's un- it's not utilized. I'm saying, look. He's saying, he's saying he got three moves like Jey Uso. Jey Uso has now two moves. He has, does not have three. Don't give him don't give him that credit. He has two moves. You just said Jay had four like a couple weeks ago. Now you're saying he has two? A lot. Because him, because him fighting Daniel Bryan was just, was, I don't want to get into it. The, the, point, the, the point is this. With Luke Harper, I'm going to get a deep six. All right. I'm gonna get an alligator roll. I'm gonna get power bomb. Is he gonna power brain bomb? buster? The brain buster. I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna get a suicide dive. Mm. Clothesline from hell. Mm. That's that's six. He can do a hurricane rana when he wants to. And he can he can do all of that. He can do all of that with ease. I'm not talking like he's gonna struggle through it. I'm not talking about like the hurricane rana that Roman did. On SmackDown with Big Show, where like he was like really like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about like he can do a Hurricane Rana, all right, all right, a Superplex. Listen, listen. Luke Harper had something to do with Dolph Ziggler almost having a resurgence. Luke Harper did that. Well, him and Dolph did that. You're only as good as your, you know, your your dance partner. No, Dolph didn't do anything. He had a great Dolph. Dolph, look, regardless of Dolph being past his, maybe his push prime or not, Dolph can still go in the ring. And and Dolph and Luke were based both good in the ring. So you one plus one equals two, bro. Like it's 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 gonna jail. One and a half and a half also equals two. Right? You stop you stop this right now. He was past his prime. Look. I don't bring up, I didn't bring up Roman for you to bury him. That's for one. I was making a point here of how 
They could have utilized one Luke Harper, who was basically a diamond in the rough. You know? Okay, you know what? Even with the Wyatts, right? So, with the Shield. When the Shield was getting ready to break up, who was your one, two, and three? Uh, Seth one, Roman two, being three. Okay, so the Wyatts is, is easily basically the same thing. Nobody pegged Eric Rowan as two, as the two guy in that at all. Sorry, Eric, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Just that's not what was going on. And you could have easily interchanged the one and the two from the Wyatts just because of what Luke was capable of bringing to the table. You know what I'm saying? It's just we didn't really get to see it, what he was capable of doing all the way in WWE, but we definitely got to see it on full display in AEW. And I, for one, am thankful for that because that guy that and what he got to do there in that short amount of time was nothing short of awesomeness. See, that, but that's my point. I'm not burying Roman. I'm saying that all I'm saying is the match is much interesting with Luke Harper. Oh, definitely. No argument there. No argument there at all. But I am going to say that if you get the Exalted One versus the Tribal Chief, that's also a very interesting match that I would love watching over and over again. Because I don't think... I don't remember Luke Harper having a bad match. I'm sure I could think of one of those forced matches during the whole Bludgeon Blood Brothers era. Um, if I tried hard, but... KG could probably find... A, or find a bad match, but I can't find one bad match with Luke Harper. Outside of that gimmick, that gimmick was atrocious. You could have just had Orn, uh, Ruiner and Harper just back together, and we would have been cool with that. Like for me personally, it was it was kind of hard to boo that gimmick or like that gimmick because we got the team back that we wanted. We got Luke Harper and Eric Rowan back together, but. We totally didn't need that makeover. Like that Bludgeon Brothers thing was just, yeah, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish with that. To me, it was kind of like uh, uh, the Acolytes and uh, what was that, that, that team from NXT? Uh, Ascension. It was, it was very reminiscent of those two. It was like a, 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 a um, just, yeah, it, I didn't, I didn't care for it. I'll just leave it at that. I think, you know, I, I think it was more so because they were due. Because if you guys remember, um, they faced the Uso so many times and they were due those championships and they realized, oh shit, there's a ship in the water. But we're about to end the Wyatts. So we can't get in the, the belts just yet. So there's a ship in the water. Because when they faced the Usos in that two out of three mat falls match and they came close and when they and when Monster was about to win, the crowd went nuts. But then they were like, they're about to break up. We can't really use Rowan and Harper like that. So when they came up with the new, the Bludgeon Brothers, that was a way of them getting the titles that they were originally earned in the first place. Because they were still just as good, but they weren't being utilized and that other stuff. So, yeah. Okay, do you remember? It was, it was, it was just again. It was, you know, you're in the wheelhouse of a, an aging, you know what I mean, wrestling federation owner. So. You're going to get hokey stuff like that from time to time, you know, which is why I wasn't mad at them getting the push, them getting the belts. I just would have much rather it just been as Luke Harper and Eric Rowan than what we got. That would have made more sense to me. Like that would have definitely made more sense to me. Just with them especially being so prevalent in the tag team picture. Yeah. Rowan, Rowan and Harper is just as good. Like, like you don't need to put up a fancy name, give them weird ass masks and new music. Like that's not necessary. Give them Rowan Harper. Mm-hmm. Let them come out and whatever they want to come out to and go from there. The Bludgeon Brothers shit was trash. All that shit was trash. Like it was. They won titles, great, but I mean at the same time, like they were, they were due. Those boys were due because they were kicking ass that whole time. Yeah, and it was it was one of those things too where. You know, you talk, we, 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 we're, you, you see, um, AEW getting a lot of credit for their tag team division. And, you know, just going back to that era, you think about it, WWE had arguably three of the best tag teams in wrestling at that particular time. You had the New Day, 
who was kind of doing the Freebird Act. You had uh, Rowan and Harper, and you had the Usos, and just kicking ass and taking names. Like that right there is what you build the, the that 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 division on. You had the three of the strongest. You can put those teams in any Fed anywhere, and they're gonna succeed. You know, those teams, those teams, like you got, you got to remember with those teams, with that type of thing, those teams were phenomenal teams. And even then, let's say you put, you keep Roman and Harper together. Roman and Harper versus FTR is probably going to be one of the most violent matches that you'll probably ever see. That's going to be a mm-hmm. big match. Rowan mm-hmm. and Harper versus um, DIY, Rowan and Harper versus any of those stuff. It's just a good match. The problem is that Harper shines so much on his own too. Like even when even when he was Intercontinental Champion or whatever, I was like, ah shit, this shit might be decent. Might have a little bad heel thing going for the Intercontinental Championship. I was like excited, but then I realized they weren't going to use him properly when they gave him a country accent and they asked him to say, "I'm a team player." <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, bitch. They should have definitely capitalized off that and made shirts. No, you should have capitalized off of KG because you was definitely running around talking about, I'm a team player. <laughs> Isn't John, you were from like New York. Where is he from? Is he from New He's York? He's from Rochester because they yeah, were supposed yeah. to I was they like, were supposed <laughs> to debut the, uh, the reveal that he was the leader of Dark Order in Rochester, but then like COVID happened. That's what I'm saying. Like, why are we doing, Vince, why are we doing that? He's from New York. Stop that. Huh. I mean, well, I think like maybe Miss Weird mentioned one of the more underrated matches he had actually was against Randy Orton because there's something I put that on a pre show. Uh, I believe it was Elimination Chamber 2017. That was a pretty good match, though. Uh, like Joe was saying, that's probably, I agree, that's my favorite WWE match with Luke Harper by far is against the Shield with the Wyatts. Uh, I'd also say. Another one. Uh, when they had Daniel Bryan feuding with the Wyatts, that was another good one with him and Harper on Monday Night Raw. It's another one of my favorites. Yes, yes. Uh, they didn't let him and Cesaro really cook the way they could have. I'm kind of disappointed in that. Uh, just from a standpoint, those are two guys who could have been feuding in the mid card for the IC strap had they turned Cesaro when they were supposed to turn him because then Harper got the IC strap later that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I'm a little bit disappointed that I didn't see because I think they could have tore the house down. I didn't see their matches in Chikara. I believe it's the name of the promotion they were at when he was still Claudio Casagnoli and he was Brody Lee there. Uh, but I heard they had epic rivalry there. Uh, what else would I say? Um, even some of the stuff he was doing against John Cena was solid. Uh, I believe they had a match in, in Raw in, in Brooklyn. Uh, I want to say like March of 2014 when they were doing their feud with the Wyatts when Cena mm-hmm. was. Yeah, it's just... I, I Like I said, too, or you guys were talking on, rather, should I say, um, I think it was just timing more so than anything. There were so many tag teams that could have won the tag team titles during that, that stretch, basically. You had Rowan and Harper. You had the Usos. That match saved Battleground, first of all, because otherwise that would have been by far the most unwatchable pay-per-view of it. Well, I'll, I'll take that away because they they dropped the ball. Another good match on that pay-per-view that should have been the main event. We'll go back to Brody later in a little bit. Cody and Goldust versus Seth and Roman should have been the main event because the crowd, especially because they did that hokey finish in DB and Orton in the main event. Yeah, that's that's why that should have been the main event. The crowd went nuts when Cody had crossroads and Pensa, and they got the jobs back. But anyway, it's not here, it's not there. Uh, actually, you know what? That might have been a different year. Scratch that. Yeah, that was 2013, but the two out of three falls match is 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Because 2013, they might not have even been called up yet, mm-hmm. or were they? You know, Battleground 2013 
was October. I think Battleground 2014, I think they moved to a different month. So, yeah, that was Battleground 2014. I'll fact check myself real quick. Yeah, I think so. Um, but with that being said, they also had the, you know, you had the Real Americans. Um, that was so many tag teams around that time, they could have touched the straps. And, I, and that was the one time where they probably could have had two ta- sets of tag champs. Well, it might have made sense. I think I think with the I think with the whole thing with with like Luke Har- Luke Harper, Eric Rowan, Ray Wyatt that people fairly realize is those are two those are those are two people that can be world wrestling heavyweight champion. And then another one could just be like a mid card because Rowan wasn't utilizing there either. I'm excited to see what Rowan does in AEW. Like I like just just to see what he can do. Because if it's because if we see him and his maturation process isn't like the way that um, we saw with Brody Lee, then then we know all there is to know about Brody Lee. Cause he's he's a king, bro. Like he was dope. Like he knew what he had. He knew he knew his ability. He knew he said he, he knew he had to wait that contract out for like a year, year and a half of being underutilized, untouched talent. He just said, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna wait this motherfucker out and I'm gonna go to AEW." And that's it. That's 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 the best thing for me is just being patient enough to be able to wait for that moment and be like, y'all, when I get that moment, knock it out the fucking park. I mean, but by and large, he, he was getting paid too, so, you know, that, that made it easy to sit, but, you know, at the same time, though, if this is something you love, you know what I mean? You, you want to be out there wrestling. You want to be at home. Because it, it's, it's about his legacy. Like, it's about, like, what he wants to do with his legacy, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's cool to make coin. Don't get me wrong. Hell yeah, make your coin, bro. But it's about his legacy now at this point. You know what I mean, yeah, he could have really did some really big things at WWE. But I'm so glad he got the chance to do AEW. That's the most beautiful thing about him. Yeah, and I, I, I'm there with you, bro. Because I, um, I was really happy for him to go to go there to go to AEW and get the push that it, that by and large all all wrestling fans that I know that I've seen on like. You know, wrestling groups on Facebook, you know, on the hot take page, when we seeing wrestling fans on there, nobody was against the Brody Lee push or no one was against how he was placed in AEW. Like he was placed in the hierarchy, like instantly, you know what I'm saying? And it was just kind of like, yeah, we know this guy is going to A, be one of the pillars of this company and B, he was going to be around and me personally, I, I couldn't wait to see him with the big AEW belt, man, because I, I just knew once he got there, that was what was lying in his path, you know, to to further cement his wrestling legacy. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's just unfortunate he's not here anymore. Uh, but, you know, uh, we did get a lot. And, he, and, and for someone like me, who I've, I've never seen any of his indie stuff. So now this gives me an opportunity to really dig into my my wrestling bag and, and, and hit those YouTube pages and try to find old Brody Lee matches and, you know, see what they have on, on there from, you know, like the feud with Cesaro and all of this stuff, this stuff during his time in ROH, things of that sort, you know. Oh, these are only things I've basically only heard from you, Joe. So, you know. I heard about the lore of his indie career, but now, you know, it's time to like really go and like check those things out because I saw what he did at the top of the mountain in the in in, in uh, WWE and and what he got to do during his short run in AEW. So now it's just time to see what got him to those spots. I'm starting to think that those people from the indies that actually are in the indies and really learn from them and really learn the game. Are the ones that end up being the most successful. Like for example, I always use the example. Cody was in the WWE program since he was born, but we didn't love Cody until I want to say right when he left, and then started AEW. Like that's when we loved Cody. Like we loved Cody after that because he understood as a wrestling fan what's important to wrestling fans and what works best because he was in the Indies. Brody Lee had to come up in the Indies. Like he was an ROH, WG, Evolve. Um, MLW, them types, them types of things. He had to learn his class. So, who's that? Who who's he wrestling? ROH, El Generico, Kevin Steen, who's now Kevin Owens. El Generico was Sami Zayn at one point. So these are guys now going to NXT brand. And like, oh yeah, he's good. 
Yeah, use him. Yeah, cool. Go ahead. Because they're going to eventually ask these guys about him in some shape, fashion, form. The right. thing about it is, is that I wonder if that can now be a farm system kind of way that the baseball set where it's like a double A and a triple A. What if you just started, and I pose the question here and then we get back to the release. What if you just started sending acts that you were like believe in and you put them in the Indies? Just like say, go, just say, hey, we'll give you a contract, spend a year in the Indies, and we'll give you like the, the low salary we can give you for whatever reason, whatever you make at the indie production or whatever, and go from there and learn your craft and come back in a year. Come back in a year, we'll give you a regular NXT contract to go from there or whatever. Because NXT, you make 80, 90,000. Right but some of these guys that are like are independent acts are the ones that shine at NXT a la Punishment Martinez Leon Ruff Johnny Takeover Champa Adam Cole Kyle O'Reilly Bobby Fish all indie guys all indie like all indie even one Patrick Clark before he really got into being Velveteen Dream, indie guy with Leo Rush, his tag team. It's a consistent thing, bro. Like it's a good, like going through WWE system of learning promo, learning how to do certain things, it does help. But it doesn't make you a staple. That indie shit makes you a fucking staple. It makes you like, like if Ricochet, like if Ricochet is in there for a long period of time, I guarantee you, once they hand him the ball, it's going to be a different thing. He's like, listen, I'm going back to my indie shit. Fuck this shit. I'm going back to being King Ricochet. I'm about to do what the fuck I want to do. This shit can be lit. Like, I'm going to do this shit on my own. He ain't going to do this other shit that they tell him about. Not the Honestly, man, I, uh, with, with Rico, I, I I really think we're not, unless he goes back down to aid, uh, not aid, uh, NXT, which is something I really would love to see happen. Um, I don't think we're going to really get to see that version of him on WWE TV. Oh, I do. You know? I do, because because Vince is, what's happening with Vince now is going to be either an evolution of, all right, let's try this guy out, or let's get the fans what they want so they can watch for a little bit, then I'm going to put somebody else in that spot. A la Dolph Ziggler. Mm -hmm. He didn't want Dolph. He didn't want Dolph touch the title. That's why he gave back to Albert Del, Del Rio, Alberto Del Rio. That's why he believed. That's what he believed in. He believed in the. Uh, he believed in someone. Well, he believed in someone that he shouldn't have um, at that point. Because Dolph, <laughs> Dolph, Dolph, Dolph was due for a title run. Like he was due. He had what built. He, he held the U.S. title, Intercontinental title. I think at one point a tag title. That's all he had left. And people liked him as a heel and hate his guts as a face too. I mean, I'm sorry, hate, hate his guts as a heel, liked him when he was a face too. Like, hey, you should probably use him for something at this point. Well, that, that's when they were allowing Dolph to be Dolph and not HBK 2.3 because they gave him the HBK uh, recipe book and that was that. You know? The moment he started doing the super kick as a finisher, I was like, well, his career is over. You know, you talking about the little short, shiny, glittery paws, shorts, Dolph? Yeah. The beast. Shorts. Glittery shorts. Ripped t-shirt Dolph is the Dolph that I know and love. This best Dolph with this weird-ass perm and long-ass DZ World Tour Crew Dolph. It's for the fucking verbs. That Dolph, that Dolph is sucking. I hate that Dolph. They ain't know what to do with Dolph is, bro. That's why they had Dolph dye his hair black for like two weeks, if you remember. Yeah, yeah, like the Duke from G.I. Joe cut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said he was going to go back to it. What was his real, I can't remember what his real name is, but he said he's going back to that. And the next thing you know, we saw that. Yeah, we saw that blonde hair back. Going back to Nick Nemeth. Yes, sir. But, uh, oh, so let me ask you guys um, I, I, something I, I heard on some podcasts and then just on some comparing and contrasting. I really don't think it's, I'm not going to say it's not taste distasteful, but uh, the approaches and how they honored uh, Brody Lee on AEW versus 
you know, uh, the Titan Tron, the picture, you know what I mean, with uh, WWE. Uh, how do you guys think WWE should have approached that? Because what I heard was, is uh, they, they allowed afterward, not, I didn't see most of SmackDown today, so I don't know if any of it aired on there or not, but I heard they did like some uh, vignettes with some of the guys to kind of like, you know, remember uh Johnny Huber and um it was supposed I, like I said I don't know if it was supposed to air on the show if it was something for the website or whatever versus the the going away that you know what I mean uh AEW gave them which do you think is 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 the is, in 2021 now I almost said 2020 in 2021 do, do I I because me personally I was really in favor of what Tony Khan and the good folks over there at all Elite did as far as saying, hey, you know what? We had a whole plan here, but we're scrapping that. We're going to honor our guy, and we're going to build this entire card tonight. It's going to be in memory of him. We're going to have his family right here present, and you know, we're going to just dedicate this whole episode to that person. I really like that approach. How did you guys feel about that? Uh, I heard that WWE basically, the reason they didn't do one is because they wanted AEW to do one first because that was the last promotion he worked for. So they're saying that's a possibility we could see a tribute show. Um, with that being said, I thought AEW did it. They knocked it out of the park. They had Dark Order members in every match. Uh, they all got the pinfall victory. So I thought that was a nice touch there. Um, Brody Jr., <laughs> he hit uh, MJF with a kendo stick. Because <laughs> uh, he pulled his mask off when he was sitting ringside, and afterwards, of course, MJF in character says, "F that kid." <laughs> uh, they did everything well. They did. Um, they had interviews with people that he's known for years, for ten, fifteen plus years. Because I didn't know him and Eddie Kingston had a rivalry on Eddie, and you know, they interviewed him. Uh, they interviewed John Moxley, of course, has known him for I don't know how many years. They were definitely wrestling on the Indies against each other to find videos on YouTube on there. He was just yeah. saying how much, you know, that just talking to him, that Brody, Brody even, you know, predicted for him. He was like, one day, you know, you're going to be just like me. You're going to have your kid, and you're not going to really care about just staying up all night and doing whatever you want to do. He's like, yeah, man, whatever. I, I like my Chinese food at 2 a.m. He's like, basically how... That all came to fruition, you know. Um, they just—I—I I thought, like I said, they—they they did a great job. Um, I can't complain about anything that they did to honor him. Uh, even when Britt Baker was going on a tangent, she dropped one of her uh, his nickname, Big Rig. She was like, you know, this whole match is rigged. This is a conspiracy against me. It's rigged. You can call this whole thing a big rig. And she like <laughs> winked at the camera. So, like, they, they, they did a great job, you know. I'm um, hoping WWE does something. I saw some of the videos they recorded uh, with guys remembering Brody. They all had Brody arm patches on on SmackDown tonight. A lot of guys did. Daniel Bryan, Big E. Uh, I believe Cesaro did, too, because they go way back. So, hopefully, we'll see a tribute show. I would have loved to see a joint tribute show. I mentioned that in the text message. Kind of mm -hmm. hard in the time. I'll pass it on to Joe after this. Um, where and if egos are so important, okay, then only let AEW and WWE guys pin each other. Just do a combined tag team of every in every match, basically from AEW and WWE. I thought they could have just did a joint show, put egos aside. Could have did like the Dark Order and the Wyatt versus like the Shield and New Day or something. Yeah, for the main event or something. Like but they, uh, what, oh, what they did for the main event though, they uh, picked Brody Junior's like favorite wrestlers against uh, Team Taz. So they did like one member from Dark Order, which is Ken, Orange Cassidy, and Cody. So thought that was pretty good too. Yeah, I saw Ten was right there with uh, Brody's fa uh, family when uh, Tony Khan um, gave Brody Junior the belt, and uh, looked like he was holding back tears. Uh, you know, guys just seemed like a great guy, man. But shout out to Xavier Woods now. I don't know how true this is, but I heard on Monday they didn't want him wearing the armband. 
because he had the Brody armband on Monday. And he basically said, screw you. I don't care. You can find me if you want to. I'm wearing this thing. And I think that's, and that, and I think that's something that needs to be said too, because when someone passes along, it's always good to like uh, tribute them and, and, and keep their memorandum uh, alive and well. And I think a lot of people saw on Raw that that uh, clothesline from Hill or that rolling clothesline was available. Yeah. And everybody was doing that. Um, I don't know if you guys know his mom's doing it. Yeah. 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 Like the way he did in the ring too. So yeah. So we did that a couple times. Um, but I think, I think when you're that good backstage and that good in the ring, like it, it holds memory to him. I appreciate what WWE did. But AEW knocked out the park, man. Like everything that night was dedicated to that man. Like, like that's like a celebrity roast. Like, like that's that's the criminal. That's when you know you made it. You know what I mean? So yeah, AEW's night was a, was a lot better. Good seeing Eric Redbeard out there now. Is that his name? Eric Redbeard. No. Yeah, Jericho definitely called him Eric Rowan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he definitely called him Eric Rowan, but it's it's, it's actually Eric Redbeard. So. For those God days. bless, God bless Chris Jericho, man. That guy is a national treasure, man. Bro, that guy, he was like, that's Eric Rowan. He doesn't work here. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, man. I, oh, man, I love, I don't know. Chris Jericho does not, I'm not going to say he doesn't get his just due, but that dude, man, uh, he's just, he's awesome, man. He's awesome. No, he doesn't. Chris, Chris Jericho does not get his just due because if we're thinking about it, he's the first ever undisputed WWE champion. He's held the Intercontinental Champion eight times. He was the United States champion, acting champion. Uh, he was a WCW Cruiserweight champion. I think he won the TV mm-hmm. title in WCW. I think. I'm not sure about that. Um, AEW, he was the first ever uh, AEW heavyweight champion. Uh, Chris Jericho ladies and gentlemen is probably the one that needs his flowers now like he absolutely every every bit every bit of it right now he has one of the number he has the number one w he has a number one wrestling theme song in the history of history all right no no one listen you can't name me two songs where you know the words to uh, to most of the theme song you can't name me two two more you can't do it you can't do it I could, but they're not better. I could, but they're not better. I'll, so I, I, I could, but like I said, they're not better. So. They're not better, right? They're not better than his. You are beautiful on the inside. Shit, I'm not in the mood to sing. Is it, is it added to the playlist, Joe? But, hey, hey, I had to. What if I become the junior? When outside opens, I need Chris you to Jericho. sing for the one time. Man. Chris Jericho is the Tim Duncan of professional wrestling, and I say that because that's another guy, or he, or he's either Tim Duncan or he's Akeem Olajuwon. It's accurate. It's accurate. Because then they don't get enough credit for their place in history. And that's where I'm getting at, folks. I don't know anybody else. I could, I could have went with the hockey comparison. I don't watch enough hockey though. Some, you know, because his pops played hockey. Ted Irvine. Um, I'm pretty sure Jericho's in the hockey. So we even. No, I think that's accurate, man. I think that's a good, a good one. Uh, shout out to Mick Foley and CM Punk because they're donating all the shirts that uh, all the shirts that are purchased this month are, are their merchandise from Pro Wrestling Tees. They're giving that money to John Huber's family. Yeah, that that see that's that's what it's like. See, cause bro, he's such a good dude. Like, look, don't get me wrong. 2020 took a lot from us. They took Pat Patterson. Um, Animal. Animal. Chad. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, that young Japanese wrestler that took her life. Yeah, that's very sad. But this. Uh, yeah. I forgot her name. Sorry about that. I know. I think she's pretty close to EO, but I can't remember her name. I think it's. I just don't want to say her, the wrong. Name. I think it's Hana, wasn't it? Yeah. I know you. Yeah, I can't remember what her name is. I know you're talking about though, and that was very, very, very unfortunate. 
you know, 2020, uh, the wrestling community was not spared. You know, we, we always seem to, as fans, I think we probably get it the hardest in terms of losses because, you know, we got guys that went, you know, this is, this is all too familiar, I guess, is what I'm getting at when it comes to seeing our fallen heroes, you know, uh, passing, you know, so, so young, so early, you know what I mean? When they had a lot of life left in them. And, um, luckily, you know, it wasn't from drug usage or anything of that sort, you know, um, and, and it's a constant reminder, uh, and this is where my mind took it of our, our own mortality, you know, like, you know, we're not here for a long time, so we have to kind of just make the best out of the time that we do have here. And, you know, it's, it seems like, by and large, that's what Mr. Huber did, you know. He's a well-liked guy. Um, I'm sure when I punch my ticket, I won't have that many people screaming my, uh... <laughs> oh, he was such a nice guy. It's a lot of people that's probably going to say that, and it's going to be something to say I was an a-hole too, but, you know, I hope to have somewhat of a similar sentiment when it is that time for me, because he just seemed like a good dude in and out of the ring. I, I, I harp on this so many times. The wrestling business itself is such a rough business, but to have someone who's just a good guy and a good overall individual be a part of it is just such a by and large beautiful thing to see. So many people that like really believed in this guy and really had faith in him and Saw his greatness is just a beautiful thing all the time, bro. So I'm I'm a fan, bro. Like yeah. you know, I, I went back and watched I went back and watched some of his matches. I think that's what I did for the most part, because I couldn't like I really couldn't put together like some of the stuff that he was able like just, I, it, it didn't make sense for me. Like he was he was six years older than me or whatever, doing a routine surgery that just went right that went wrong with his chest. So alright. Yeah. All right, so uh, I do. Go ahead, KG. I was going to say, as far as, it's not just because he's gone, but um, outside of that parking lot brawl with Santana and Ortiz, his best friends, I would say that dog hauling match against Cody is probably, those are like neck and neck in terms of what was my favorite matches on AEW, it's, you know, maybe this year. I don't, you know, I don't want to misspeak, misspeak because I, I, I wasn't watching a lot of Dynamite last year, so I'm just trying to remember the ones that I did match watch because I don't want to, you know, I want to fact check myself because uh, I'm trying to remember was were Lucha Brothers against Hang, Hangman and Kenny Omega. I think that was, I can't remember that was last year or this year. But anyway, it's not here nor there. The point is, that was one of my favorite matches from Dynamite this year. Um, yeah. Just, just the brutality of that match and the class act that he showed because I think that's part of the reason why he dropped the championship so soon and everybody was wondering so maybe they knew something was up and you know he didn't have to come back to do that could have just relinquished it well relinquished it and they could have come up with a storyline injury or something but um and i think that's what they ended up doing because the reports i saw um was that he had an ankle injury of some sort yeah so i maybe that's what they they did go ahead have that match and that match was brutal but it, it was great it was awesome it was very shades of you know, the past in terms of what we've seen in wrestling, you know, back in the days. And um, it was good, man. It was good. It was it was the right level of wrestling and brutality it, all in the same. I think with, uh, I think that's, and I think that's exactly what he is. Uh, what he really is. He's the right amount of wrestling with the right amount of brutality. Because he can wow you with some of the stuff he does with the alligator roll or what he does with the suicide dive. But then close line from hell, that deep six. Power bombs, his power moves, all good movement. He's, he's just the right amount of everything. Really good, bro. He's really amazing. It's way so to go like that. Yeah. All right. So before we do get out of here, guys, uh, for one, I want to tell the people if you haven't, go on prowrestlingtees.com, grab that John Huber shirt that they debuted. I think all of the proceeds of that particular shirt is going to his family. So if you can, and I did see on Instagram, they said that was their highest uh, selling shirt ever in the 24-hour period. 
So, you know, to the people that did grab it, shout out to y'all. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure he's up there in that square circle, smiling. Wrestling community is taking care of one of their own, as we always do. And, um, you know, so before we get out of here, guys, I brought up the Luke Harper versus Undertaker match as a match. And this, the reason I did bring that match up is because it's a match I wish we could have saw that we didn't see. So what is a match from you, Kenny, and from you, Joe, that you wish you could have saw from either his Luke Harper persona, Brody Lee persona, whichever, you know, that we didn't get to see? Hey, Kenny Omega. Yeah, I would say that in terms of the current job or current location or, yeah, AEW. Um, WWE, I feel like he wrestled a lot of them. Uh, The only person I would have liked to have seen that I didn't in WWE probably would have been Kevin Owens. Because they shortchanged him and AJ. Because that could have been... I was extremely disappointed that they didn't give them longer to work when they were faced each other to see, I believe it was to see who's going to WrestleMania because Orton gave up his spot in the storyline because he didn't want to face Wyatt while he was suckering them in to turn on the Wyatt family. Uh, yeah, those would be my guys. I can't think of anybody else. Okay, I'm going to break it down two ways. If you're asking me who I would like to see Luke Harper would go against and had an actual match. It would be um, Luke Harper versus Cesaro in a full-on uh, Iron Man match for a half hour. I think that would be amazing. Uh, Brody Lee in AEW, probably Brody Lee versus Hangman Page. Uh, best Trumpy Falls match. If we're saying just wrestling in general, where the wrestling world does not exist and there are no brands, Brody Lee versus The Fiend. In a the exalted one versus the fiend. Ah, that would be crazy. <laughs> that would be crazy. That would be nuts. Like I, I, and I think it's just because the characters will go over so well, and just that exalted one that he did, like that exalted one thing that he was doing. Yeah, he was. He was. Hey, it was deep, man. I think that would be amazing. But um, rest of power, Bert, uh, John. You rest of power, Bert, Lee, Rest of power, Luke Harper. All personas and I hope our face families all good. They get taken care of and they can heal from all this stuff too. Absolutely. Uh, I think Joe said it best, man. Uh, rest in peace. Um, you know, I pray for his family, pray for his friends. Hope they have healing. Hope they, you know, it's going to take time. You know, you never get over these things a hundred percent, you know, but it gets easier day by day. And that's, uh, the, the good thing, I suppose, you know, when we lose somebody that's near and dear to us, uh, I thank John for putting his body on the line, uh, sacrificing time with his family uh, to uh, give us here fans uh, a bit of enjoyment every Monday or Friday or Tuesday when he was over there in WWE or Wednesday when he was on NXT. And, uh, hey, uh, Wednesday at, at uh, All Elite, you know, so... I just want to say thank you and God bless. Give him hell up there in this square circle, buddy. KG, you got some last thoughts? Uh, yeah, just want to say I'm not sure if that was the same shirt, but I know EC3 is also selling shirts. Uh, all proceeds are going to Brody Lee's family as well. So I'm not sure. I said it might be the same shirt, uh, but I'm not for sure. I know there's like since said pro wrestling tees, but there might be two different shirts, so. If you can't afford it, please do go out and buy one of those shirts, whether it be, you know, that shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees, like I said, uh, EC3 is doing the shirt. If you buy any of Mick Foley or CM Punk shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees, the proceeds are all for January, at least, are going to the family. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is doing anything. I will say this, it would be nice to go to eShop.com, release a new Luke Harper shirt. I'll say that. And then they do the same deal. It doesn't have to be up for from now on. You could just do it for the month. That'd be a nice gesture for the Hubert family. Absolutely. I agree. I think that would be great. I think that would be great. And and it would be a very classy move as well. So hopefully they do do that. And um, you know, we'll see what goes from there, you know. 
but not to end on a on a on a uh, you know a sad note. I'm gonna shout out our podcast buddies over there in Instagram land, the Dirty Heels podcast. Those gentlemen just got themselves a shop on uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. So congrats to you guys. Salute. You guys are making a lot of moves over there, buddy. I'm watching you. Okay, I'm observing. I'm up there in the rafters over there with Darby. I'm watching. <laughs> uh, it was it was a sober New Year's Eve for me. The first time, I don't know when. Uh, we'll, we will toast a uh, some sparkling apple cider to you for that. You know, Absolutely. I'm too lazy. To, I'm too lazy to pour up an actual glass of something. Hey, like that. hey, I see y'all. Okay, all right. You too, Clark Street Wrestling. I see you too. Okay, all right. Clark Street Wrestling. Salute. Rapping Wrestling Podcast too, man. It's been a couple of podcasts that's been showing us love on there. And we've been showing it back. So I just want to say thank you to y'all for checking our stuff out. We're checking y'all stuff out. It's a new year. I know the Dirty Hill said they wanted to get us an episode in together. All smashed in so we can do that. They they could be, you know, the, the, the Shield. We could be the Wyatts. You know what I'm saying? We got that going on, you know? I'm Brody. I call Brody. I call Brody. I call it. <laughs> I called it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to discuss it. I am the Brody Lee of this group. All right, I'll be a team player, and I'll be Eric, because Kenny's the host, so that makes Kenny, by default, the dreaded one. So now I gotta go get a rocking chair? You gotta get a rocking chair and a Hawaiian shirt. Catch flies. And, and a you fedora? <coughs> yeah, and you gotta tell them, follow the buzzers. I don't know if I, I don't know if I got the game to pull a, a JoJo looking like. I'll try. It, it is, yeah. Hey, you got yeah, Joe as there. a friend. Anything is possible. Anything <laughs> possible. <laughs> All right, man. Two or so. That is uh, another episode in the books. This is episode twelve, right, Joe? Yes, don't say. Don't say episode 12. We are going to round this thing on out next week. That will be the end of season two of the Hot Take Wrestling Podcast. We are, KG wanted to do a best of the year. So we're going to finally do that. We're going to get that out of the can. And we're going to give you guys our top heels, our top faces, our favorite gimmicks, our least favorite gimmicks, best matches, worst matches. And, um, what I want to do is I want to say five people deserving of a championship run for either for the women and for the men in 2021. Yeah. Uh, we could also end this on a high note. I'd be remiss if I did not apologize to uh, Miss Sasha Banks and Carmella because it actually was a good match in the last interview. And I think we all kind of just was like, Let's move on when we're doing our predictions for our last episode of the TLC. I'll be a bigger person than me when I'm wrong. Uh, I will admit I was wrong too that Sasha Banks has three moves. She has more than three moves. I apologize. (laughs) Sasha Banks has five moves and she deserves to be champion. I'm sorry. I apologize. I got got the streak going on. Didn't I? I I think I got all of those matches right. I? I think I did. I'd have to go back. If you pick, well, we all picked the same up until, I know for a fact we all picked the same. I don't know who picked Orton, if anyone did. I know I picked the thing because I thought they might want to, I see what you're doing there. I thought they might want to <laughs> keep his momentum, build some momentum for him. But, uh, yeah. So if you go back and check that, if you pick Orton, then yeah, you did get off. We all went unanimous, I think. Everybody, every other pick. It's kind of yeah. easy to predict WWE sometimes. It is. The only time I suck with the predictions is when we do an AEW. So hopefully the next one we do that, I'll be better. I think you, I would think we want to have to pat ourselves in the back for a lot better, though, because as we said, we were going to watch. As you, from when we heard, when we started this about a year, about a year and a half ago, we promised the audience we'd watch more so we could find out these characters. See what they're about, right? And I think we we delivered. I wouldn't say we over delivered, but we delivered. 
We've delivered. You guys have. You guys really have. Yes, you have. All righty. So until next time, Joe, not there, not here, not there, not there, but right here. Uh, last thought, join the dark order. There you go. Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Thanks for listening to the Hot Take Wrestling Podcast. The Hot Take Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by the NMG Network, a division of NMG Enterprises, LLC.